Okay, I brought my backpack today because we're going to talk about uh, being prepared, okay? In fact, it's not on here, but it's preparing for problems. So when we go hiking, we take a pack because we need to be prepared. So I'm going to show you some stuff that we take in our pack, and then I'll I'll kind of, hopefully it'll make sense, because here's the deal. When you go hiking, you prepare for certain things you know are going to happen, and you also prepare for certain things you know are, might happen. So you prepare for the stuff you know is going to happen. So we always take water because you know you're going to get thirsty. Um, we'll, take, we'll pack a cliff bar. I think it's in here. <clears throat> a cliff bar it gives you some energy. You want to know the difference between a cliff bar and a candy bar? Well, no. One of them is sweet and delicious, and the other is a cliff bar. Okay, so that's the difference. <clears throat> um, but it does kind of fill you up. So those are things we know are going to happen. I know it's going to, I'm going to get hungry. I know I'm going to need some water. But we also pack other stuff. This is the coolest thing. This is a deal where um, if you run out of water, you like put this in any water you want to get, in the ditch or whatever. You fill up your little bag, and then you put this on here, and you squirt the water in your mouth. How cool is that? It filters it. Nobody thinks that's cool? Okay. You people are losers. Okay. Anyway, <clears throat> that's awesome. Um, bug repellent for in the summer. There's a coat in here, a poofy jacket. Does anybody have a poofy jacket on? Puffer jacket? Hey, where's Tracy? Yeah, Tracy. Come model that for us. Just like that. Thank you, Tracy. Uh, toilet paper, you're going to need that, maybe. You hope to never need that, but, uh, you want that with you. Um... Band-Aids, snake bite kit. <laughs> uh, I have no idea. Uh, the only thing I know to do, if I see a snake, I'll throw it. I, I really don't know what that's for. <clears throat> but it looked like something I might need. Uh, hand sanitizer, because I'm not going to be dirty, even if I'm in the woods. All right. Um, aspirin. Allison, because I have a heart attack. Uh, so I'm doing that. Um, I, I've been taking my meds. You just need to back up right there, sister. Um, <laughs> Compass, <laughs> because it's good to know where you are when you're lost. Uh, so I'm lost in the south. Uh, that's kind of how that would go for me. Matches, I've never used these, never going to use these, but I'd like to have them just in case. Uh, there's more things. Oh, yeah, um, a poncho, a rain poncho, just in case it rains. Because I was out yesterday and it rained. And um, this super cool flashlight, it's a flashlight, but look, it's also a lantern. I know, isn't that awesome? And if you, if you push the button enough times, it blinks. So they'll know where to find your body. Uh, so that's uh, really important. <clears throat> All right, so oh, so the, the whole deal, the, the reason I show you this stuff is because I want to make a point. Some stuff you prepare for because you know it's going to happen, and some stuff you prepare for because you hope it won't happen, but you need to be prepared, Right? So it would be dumb to be out in the woods and not have water. I mean, I've done, I've done some of this stuff before. And so you get wiser through experience. That's kind of how this works. So today we're talking about, okay, if you've lived in life long enough, you know you're going to have problems. So how do you deal with problems? Now we're looking at the book of James. We're going to be in the book of James for a few weeks just because... It is like the most practical book in the New Testament about how to live life and how to overcome problems. And when you encounter problems, what do you do? And, and how do you manage your life? And so 
as we enter 2019, I thought, hey, why don't we look at this incredibly practical book that teaches us about how to, to live life. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in James, we're in chapter 1. A couple of these verses we looked at last week, so don't freak out if you say, well, we already talked about that. Well, we're going to talk about it, but maybe a little different today. So James begins and he says, hey, I'm a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm, I'm writing to the 12 tribes, uh, the Jewish tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. And it also applies to us, but basically it's a salutation. Hey, I'm James, I'm writing to y'all, and, and then he jumps. And the thing about the book of James is he doesn't like ease into it. <laughs> he just sort of hits the ground running. And the first couple of things, we looked at these last week, but let's dive into them a little more today. Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble of any kind comes your way, Consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So the, the gist of it is, hey, it's James. I'm writing to y'all. If you have problems, it can be an opportunity. You should look at it as an opportunity for joy. And, and for you know. This, this is the key in, in this particular verse today. For you know, when, when, your, when your volume of experience increases, you can make different decisions. So when I was 40 years old, I uh, had a heart attack. Now I go to my cardiologist uh, every five years or so. They usually do a stress test. Here's the thing about going to the doctor, for me, for, uh, to a heart doctor. If he were to say, uh, dude, it looks like one of your arteries is clogging up. Now, I wouldn't consider that news particularly good news of great joy for me. But it would be, I could look at it as an opportunity for joy because I would rather them catch it now than at the autopsy, right? You know, I'd rather them catch it now than after I've, I've passed, you know? So the, the joyful news for me would be, okay, now I have information, I can do something with this. I, I've got a, a clog, I, I need to get it fixed. I, I can rejoice in the fact that they found it before something bad happened. It's really how you want to look at something. So I can freak out and say, oh man, why is God clogging my arteries? Or I can say, man, thank you God for allowing somebody to see that I have a clogged artery. It's how, all in how you... You look at it. Um, our attitude is determined by our understanding. And that's why he says, for you know. Look, you're going to have problems, he says. So when you have them, it's an opportunity to consider it joyful. There's something about it. Um, experience just has this way of changing our attitudes. Um, mothers. Take new mothers. mothers. When you see a, a, a mother with her first child, and the child drops the pacifier and it falls on the ground. And, and the, the, there's like, it is fun to watch a first-time mother with a passy on the ground. They take it and they sanitize it and they boil it in a, a cauldron of hot water, you know. And, uh, or they throw it away and get a new one, you know. It's like, oh, my, it's, it's, and then they, they get it under a microscope, you know. They want to make sure. they got one of those little diamond-looking... Uh, uh, they want to make sure there's no nothing on there, you know. Second kid, you drop the pacifier, you wipe it off, you stick it in the kid's mouth, right? Fourth kid, you don't even wipe it off. Like, a little dirt never killed anybody. Experience changes everything. Okay, so, so James is saying, listen... You can have an understanding and it'll change your attitude. 
And so today, our job, hopefully, is to look at these verses and adjust our attitude toward our problems. Because when we get the right attitude, then we can thrive even in the midst of problems. So the facts about problems, number one, they're unavoidable. You are going to have problems. It says when troubles of any kind come. Not if, when. And we think, oh, if you have a lot of money, then listen. I just finished reading a biography about Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple, and he's the one that was integral in introducing the iPad and the iPod and all the eyes, uh, iPhone, all the eyes. And brilliant and wealthy. And he contracted uh, pancreatic cancer and died. It did not matter how smart he was. It did not matter how many billions of dollars he had. Trouble comes on everybody. So we, we get this silly notion, oh, if I just had enough money, okay, are you going to get billions of dollars? Because Steve Jobs had billions of dollars and couldn't avoid trouble. Troubles come. It, they're just part of life. Uh, Simon Peter, another one of Jesus' friends, wrote, uh, My friends, don't be surprised at the painful things that you are now suffering. It shouldn't shock you that you have trouble, which are testing your faith. Don't think something strange is happening to you. We have this tendency to go, oh my word, poor... And we sing that, you know, the hee-haw song, gloom, despair, it's all about me, right? Agony on me, and we, we get all bent out of shape. Listen, when you go to college, there are requisite courses you have to take. You have some math you have to take, and every kid in here that's in high school is like, oh, no. You have uh, math, you have English, you have science in Kentucky, um, you know, moonshine in 101. You have certain requisite classes, uh, you know, shoes, should we wear them or not? That, uh, uh, in Kentucky, that's one of the classes. But anyway, um, they don't let you get through the course. You don't get a degree unless you take the requisite classes. You're, you're required to take them, Right? You have to take them. In fact, like to get to, to Math 201, you have to take Math 101. You, there, there are prerequisite classes. There's stuff you got to take. And I was in class one time. I was in uh, accounting, and I hated accounting. I went to the guy, and I said, I can't even count. Uh, and it's in the name. I don't want to be part of this. Uh, and he said, well, you don't have, you don't have to take accounting. <laughs> he said, you don't have to get a degree either. Uh, if you want a degree, you have to take accounting. It's like, okay. Problems aren't voluntary. <laughs> you, you, don't, uh, you don't take electives, uh, problems. You don't just get to choose if you want them or not. Problems are inevitable. So you've got to understand that. They're also unpredictable. You don't get to pick which problems you get. When troubles of any kind, uh, of any kind, they're, they're varied and sundry, and, and they're unpredictable. This morning, I have in my notes, talk about a flat tire. Flat tires. Has anybody ever scheduled a flat tire? Have you ever looked at your phone, got your phone out? Oh, I need a flat tire on Tuesday. We, we don't schedule them. I had it in my notes. This morning, I woke up and remembered Miriam's tire is low. I had to pump up her tire because we don't schedule them. Sunday morning is really not good for me for flat tires. It's really not good. I had places to go. I had people to see you. Uh, I had stuff to do. 
We don't schedule them. They, they are unpredictable. It just sort of happens. And, and they're, they vary in intensity and, and in urgency and in duration. I saw this sign this week. I, I like it very, very much. Oh, let me see. Where, where am I? Ooh, well, let's do this and then I'll show you my sign. Um, the third thing about uh, uh, problems, they're unavoidable, they're unpredictable, and they're varied. They come in various sizes and shapes, right? Troubles of any kinds. And the word literally means multicolored. So next time you go into Home Depot or Lowe's, what you're going to see is um, at the paint section all these colors. And you think about troubles come in lots of shapes and sizes. Now, here's, here's my little sign I saw. Life is hard, then you die, then they throw dirt on your face and the worms eat you. Be grateful it happens in that order. I, I think... <clears throat> I think that's gold right there. All right, we have problems. They're unavoidable. They're unpredictable. They're varied. And if we can get our mind around this, that they can have a purpose, this will change. It it can literally change the way you do life. Because if I can see my problems as purposeful, if I can start understanding that pain can be productive... In fact, if you go to the gym, from what I hear, uh, they, they have a saying. No pain, no gain. I, you know, it's, it, it, it can, pain can have a purpose. The cool thing about the Lord is um, He's able to take problems and to mature us. And we talked about last week, God's ambition for us is spiritual maturity. He wants us to be spiritually mature. And He uses problems to help us grow spiritually. Now, how does He do it? Let me show you a couple of things. Problems purify our faith. For you know that when your faith is tested, and everybody needs testing, we don't like it. I mean, I don't think I like testing. Except I kind of do, because I want to see where I am. Um, it, if if I I love competition, that's what testing is. How good am I compared to this and that, and and how can I compete with somebody else? I want to be tested. When I was in school, I kind of liked taking tests because I, I'd like to see. That was in college, not in high school. I really didn't try in high school. But when I got to college and I was paying for it, it changed things for me. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to pay for this. I'd like to know I'm learning something. And so, t- testing helps us. And if we don't do well on a t- test, you, you either do well or you learn. You know, it's like, well, I, I need to study harder. I need to do better. Amaris, my daughter, uh, my oldest daughter, she's learning, going to learn how to fly. And she has a friend at her business who um, just took the, the pilot's test and he failed. She said he, he kind of he didn't think it was going to be that hard and it was difficult. Well, his failure is going to benefit my daughter because she's going to study. It's like, well, I don't want to be like that chump. Uh, you know, I'm going I'm to be better than that guy. We, we can learn from our failures. It, it is this certain testing. And, and in, the, in the olden days, I guess even today, they would test the purity of gold and silver by putting it through fire. Job uh, from the Old Testament said, uh, God knows where I'm going, and when He tests me, I'll come out as pure as gold. Pure as gold. And in metallurgy, and I'm not a metallurgist, but I do read... And one of the things they do with metal is they, they do a process called tempering. And I think it involves heating and cooling. And, and the notion is, if you have certain metal, it can be incredibly brittle. 
Well, what you don't want if you're in a, a sword fight is for the first time you, you hack for it to break. <laughs> then you lose. Uh, you know, really, it's not good. Or if you have a knife, if it breaks, you, you don't want that with metal. You want to have some measure of flexibility. You want it to be strong, but flexible. And tempering creates a certain flexibility. And difficulties in our lives have this ability to soften us a little bit, to where we don't have to be so rigid. We see it like uh, when the ice happened the other day, or when the snow, heavy snow happened. Some trees broke and some trees didn't. Well, the ones that didn't had some flexibility to them. The ones that did were, were inflexible. They were hard, and, and they were ungiving, and they broke. We don't want to break. We want to have some measure of flexibility. So our, our problems, they, they, they help us... Um, be productive. The, the second thing, uh, they help us with our patience. And good grief, who doesn't need some patience help? When your faith is tested, your endurance, your patience has a chance to grow. You want to know where you learn patience? You don't learn patience sitting on an island into, you know, in Tahiti on the beach. That's not where you learn patience. You learn patience when you go to the grocery store and you get in the 12 items or less line and the guy in front of you has 15 items. And the reason you know is because you counted, because you're a punk, and, uh, and you're, you're losing your mind, right? You're losing your mind. Now, no man ever gets in that line, because you know, men don't use carts, because carts are for chumps. Uh, if we can carry it, that's what, that's what we buy. If we had to buy 75 uh, of those gallons uh, of, of stuff to do your, your driveway, we buy them two at a time, because that's all we can carry. That's how it works. Now, every once in a while, God puts an angel in your life. You want to know what they look like? When you get to the checkout line and the person in front of you, the lady has a buggy full of stuff, and she looks back and you're a dude and you have two things, and she says, why don't you just go ahead? That's an angel from God. You should thank her. You should pay for stuff in her buggy. Uh, you should do that. That's what I'm suggesting. Uh, in fact, uh, next time I see you, I'm going to try to get behind you. Anyway, we... We learn patience where we have to be patient. So in traffic jams, uh, anybody, does anybody ever go through Asheville and hit Hendersonville and you have to learn patience? Because that road is always clogged. Anybody ever been to the uh, Department of Motor Vehicles? Anybody learn patience there? Or do you just lose your mind? Um, that's the whole point. We, we learn it in the midst of it. And here's the deal. We live in a society we want it easy and we want it now. We're not going to learn patience with it easy and now. Let, have you ever heard that expression, it's the greatest thing since sliced bread? Ever, anybody ever heard that? Anybody ever think sliced bread really isn't that great? Anybody? Is anybody listening? Uh, really, uh, just anything. <laughs> just give, throw me a bone. I, I'd appreciate it. Okay. The guy that invented the sliced bread machine, have you ever thought that somebody had to do that? Somebody had to say, hey, they, they need some sliced bread. It was a guy named Otto, which is a sweet name. Otto, let's see, um, Rohwedler, Rohwedler, he must have been German. And um, he, he noticed there were people complaining that they had to slice their own bread. <laughs> must have been Americans. And uh, uh, they, they were complaining because it took time and effort. And, and so he started... What's kind of funny about this is how hard can it be to invent a bread slicing machine? It took the dude 20-something years 
to invent the bread slicing machine. 20-something years. I would think you could figure it out before then, but who knows? Uh, having never invented anything in my whole life, maybe it's quite tough. But next time you hear somebody say, uh, it's the greatest thing since sliced bread, you're going to say, you know, that took that guy a long time to invent the bread slicing machine. It takes some time, often, to get us where God wants us to be. Because here's the ultimate truth. The third and maybe most important purpose of our problems, God develops our character. Our, our character is what goes with us. And so many, so many followers of Jesus, they wonder, what's God's ambition for my life? Well, God's ambition for your life is to become like His Son. Uh, his number one purpose is so you become like Christ. And here's the thing about Jesus. We, we think we know Jesus. Except when you read about Jesus, His life wasn't easy. His life was quite difficult, frankly. We romanticize it and you know, we see these movies and He's got you know, a, a bathrobe and a sash and it's like, you know, blonde-headed, which is all stupid. Je- Jesus had a tough life. I mean, He was born... And King Herod tried to kill all the baby boys. I mean, it wasn't like he started out with a golden spoon in his mouth. Silver spoon, whatever it is. Um, His life was tough, and they had to flee to Egypt. And then they came back, and he worked for his dad. And then he became a a, a rabbi, and he had disciples. And one of his 12 disciples was a guy named Judas, and he betrayed him. And and if we're going to be like Jesus, we're going to probably have people in our lives that betray us. Like Judas betrayed Jesus. And Jesus had other guys in his, in his posse there, his disciples. And uh, in, on the night he was betrayed, he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane and he says to these guys, Hey guys, can you pray with me? Can you join me in prayer? I'm going to go over there just a little bit, but you stay right here and you pray and I'm going to pray over there. And he comes back an hour later and he's disappointed because his boys have fallen asleep. Like, dudes, couldn't you even hang out for an hour? I'll just ask you for something little. He's disappointed. He has friends that disappoint him. He was, it says he was tempted. You all know the story. He goes into the wilderness and, and Satan tempts him. The Bible tells us he's been tempted in every way, just like us, and yet he doesn't sin, didn't sin. I mean, if we're going to be like Jesus, we're probably going to go through the very same things that Jesus went through. He was tempted. He was lonely. He got tired. It talks about his fatigue and he had to go off to lonely places in order to recharge his batteries. He was discouraged. He was abandoned. He was disappointed. All the things that Jesus went through are probably the very things we're going to have to to go through if we're going to be anything like he is. Now, God gives us some tools to help us become like Christ. One of them, and I talk about it nearly every week, and I, let me apologize for harping on this, but let me tell you why I harp on this. The responsibility of a pastor is to try to help you. I try to help you grow to maturity in, in Christ. I mean, it's my, it's my job, but it's also, I have to give an accounting someday. Someday I'm going to stand before God, and He's going to say, well, how did you do? He's going to know how I did. If I don't tell you this, I'm not doing you any favors. The greatest way to transition and change your life is to ingest the Scriptures, is to read the Bible. I know I talk about it a lot. I know it gets old. All you have to do is start reading the Bibles and I'll stop. And I'll, stop. <laughs> and I'll stop. It is transformative because it gives us a base of wisdom. 
when I, when I know what God expects, because you, you get messages all the time from all over the place. And you get messages from school, and you get messages at work, and people are trying to tell you what's right and wrong. And if you want a bedrock foundation of what's true, what's right, what's good, you have to know your Bible. I, I, I'm going to have to keep telling you because it's just that important. I think it is integral to the life of a Christian to read Scripture. And, and Jesus, Jesus said... Uh, he prayed for us. He prayed for us the night before he was betrayed. He prayed for us and he said, Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. If you want to please Jesus, read your Bible because this is his prayer for us. And so, number one, he, he, he uses the scriptures to help us, he also uses circumstances to help us. He, he teaches us. Look at what it says in Romans. Uh, again, this is, this is uh, Paul writing in this one. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. We all know this verse because it's so uh, common. And are called according to His purpose for them. For God knew His people in advance and He chose them to what? To become like whom? Like His Son. God's ultimate ambition for you is to become like His Son. You learn that through reading the Bible. You learn that through dealing with difficult circumstances, just like, just like Jesus did. So how do I prepare for problems? I'm going to have problems. How do I prepare for it? Well, number one, you have to believe. Not just believe. I have to believe that God is able and will use my problems to teach me and to lead me into maturity. I have to believe not only that he can make something good out of it, but he will make something good come out of even a bad situation. Um, we went on a hike yesterday, and we started out hiking, and um, it was great, and it was, it was about, I think we started about 10, 30, something like that. And we hiked out, and then um, when we got out a little ways, uh, it started to rain. So I got my little poncho out, you know, I had my poncho on. and um, You know how much th those cost? About a dollar. You know what they're worth? About half that. Uh, they're horrible. I had my poncho on, and, and, and we're out hiking. I mean, we're probably three miles out when it starts to rain. And uh, I, I try to be pretty, um, pretty much like the pioneers. Uh, so I pulled out my phone, and uh, I, I wanted to check the radar. I'm sure Lewis and Clark did that. And uh, I pulled out my, my phone because I wanted to see, and if it's a trickle and it's not that big, we'll just keep hiking. But, but if it's going to be bad, then I, I should check. And I looked, and, and I don't know if you know anything about radar, but green is, is, is uh, rain, right? Yellow, it was yellow coming our way. I don't know if you know what that, that's bad. So now all of a sudden I'm like, okay, we, we probably need to do something here. So. Um, I had my oldest daughter, Amaris, was with me, and my wife, and Elise, our 12-year-old, and Elise's little friend, Sophie. And um, so we were out, kind of out, and I, I said, okay, let's, we're going to have to hustle out of here, because it's coming. You, have you ever felt that? You know, it's like, oh, we better hustle. So we hustled. Now, my gear, my hustle gear isn't as fast as it used to be. It's funny how that works. Um, and so we sort of hustled to a place where we, you could go two directions. You could go back on the road and hike up the road to where, or you can go the trail, which is shorter but harder. And, and so we split at, the, at that juncture. 
And Miriam and the two younger girls went on the road. And Amaris, my oldest, and I, we, we hustled down the trail. Here, I don't know if you all, I'm going to give you some, this is brilliant. You, you may not know this. It's easier to run downhill than uphill. Oh, okay, I just want you to know. I mean, you may not have known that coming in today, so now you know. So I was, I was getting it pretty good going downhill. The problem is, uh, when you get to the bottom of the downhill, <laughs> then you get to go uphill. I wasn't nearly as quick on the uphill. And you know you're getting old when your 25-year-old daughter is behind you, and I'm, I am booking it. I am killing it. And she says, pick up the pace. And I said, well, my pace is picked. Uh, I ain't got no more pace. This is all the pace I've got. And so um, I said, honey, here are the keys. <laughs> Why don't you run on? Because I, I got nothing else. I have nothing else, right? Um, so I, she went on, and, and I thought to myself, I'll show her. She'll, she'll go up the trail a little bit, but I'll, I'll catch up. Would you like to know when I caught up? When I got to the car, because uh, she had been there, uh, they had already eaten lunch. I mean, it was like, uh, it was horrible. <laughs> I'm panting like a dog. <gasps> so, and it rained all over us. Um, but we were prepared. I have to believe that God will help me be prepared. When troubles of any kind, when they come, now, this isn't the first time we've ever hiked and gotten caught in the rain. It probably won't be the last time. That's why you take a poncho. That's why you prepare. We've been hiking before and run out of water. That's why we have that little bag that we can get water from the stream if we have to. I, don't, I, I think that's super cool. Miriam won't do it, um, um, but I think it's awesome. But uh, we, we're trying to be prepared for what might happen. Now, Again, the thing that changes your life is when you understand God has a purpose for my problems and He can grow me through my problems. There's a verse that's kind of misunderstood, give thanks in all circumstances. And people read that and they think, I have to give thanks for all circumstances. That's not what it says. But in the midst of problems, I can still be a person who is thankful. I can say, God, help me grow through this. Show me what you have for me during my problems. See, my problems might be self-induced. I might cause them. They might just, they might just happen. Stuff happens. Look, no, nobody... Problems happen. Nobody plans for them. They just happen. You're going to know. You should know. They happen. And in Psalm, it says, I'll praise the Lord... At all times, even in the midst of problems, I will constantly speak His praises because problems aren't going to get the best of me. The difference between being bitter and better is I. I make the difference. I decide. I don't decide my circumstance, but I do decide how I handle my circumstance. I don't decide what problems I get or don't get, but I do get to decide how I handle my problems. I decide. We always have a choice to rejoice. And that's what this verse says. So first, I believe. Second, I pray. If you're ever going to pray, pray in the midst of problems. And it says here, if any of you lacks wisdom, who doesn't lack wisdom? If any of you lacks wisdom, I love this. You should ask God who gives generously to all. Every one of us. 
We don't deserve wisdom. And yet God is so gracious, He'll give it to us. If you lack wisdom, if you're in the midst of something and you don't understand, man, I've got a great, great friend. He's very wealthy, he has a business, and, and he's remarried. But I remember talking to him several years ago, and he had gone through kind of a really, really ugly divorce. And, and he, he, said, he said, Joseph, that, that broke me. Broke, it broke my heart, it broke my spirit. And, and he, he said, I, I didn't, honestly, I didn't know what to do. I had kids, we had young kids, and it was breaking them up inside, and I could see, and he didn't feel like he had caused it. You know, it is what it is. And he told me, this has stuck with me. I know I've told this before, but it just, it just stuck with me. He said, man, when I, was in the, and when I was in the valley, when I was at my darkest spot, I prayed. God, I don't want to be here, but since I am here, everything you want to teach me, teach me now. Everything you want to show me, show me now, because I never want to come back here again. Everything I need to know, everything I need to learn, please show it to me and teach me now. It, it's how you handle the problem. There's not a situation that you're ever going to go through where you can't learn from it. We pray for wisdom. We ask God to help us understand the trial if, he, if He'll show us. But mostly we ask for wisdom to get through the trial. Because God is creating in us a masterpiece. I love this. We are God's masterpiece. Let me show you a picture. This is the cathedral in Cologne, Germany. Isn't that beautiful? They started building this in 1226 AD. AD 1226. It wasn't completed till um, the 1880s. It took 600 years to build this, this cathedral. 632 years. It is 516 feet high on those spires. They are within three inches of one another as far as height goes. Now, think about when that started. When they laid the foundation in 1220-whatever it was, in the 1220s. They, they didn't have, think about what they didn't have, how to construct all this. And yet God created a masterpiece. In World War II, this was hit 14 times by bombs, and it, it didn't demolish it. Because if you're going to build something great, it takes time. And if you're going to build something strong, it takes time. We are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, we are His masterpiece, and He'll take time with us. The last thing. We believe, we pray, we relax. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. This is probably the toughest thing to do. To say, God, I hate this, but I trust you. I hate this. I hate this situation. I hate this circumstance. I hate what I'm going through. But I trust you. And I believe that you are able to make something good come out of something bad. I believe it. And Lord, I'm going to pray that you show me what you're trying to teach me so I never have to come back here again. And in the process, I'm going to relax. I'm going to take a deep breath. I'm going to trust that you know what's best. God has a purpose for our problems. They don't have to overwhelm us. They don't have to get the best of us. If we simply will believe and pray and relax and trust.
Father, we thank you for even our problems. We, we don't thank you for them, no. We thank you in them. And we thank you that you can use them. And we thank you, God, that even in the midst of difficulty, you teach us and you love us and you get us through things. And I pray, God, that we would be better because of the problems that we endure and that we would love you more because you get us through them. We pray this and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.